0: Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and his passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another's, or envying one another. Galatians 5. All right, here we go.
1: <laughs> Um, I often use stories of my kids um, to get started uh, for a few reasons. Mainly, I'm just very unoriginal, um, and they provide such good content for me um, to do so. So uh, that's where we're going to start this morning, uh, because this morning my daughter, uh, Maya, who's eight years old, she uh, climbed into our bed and just wanted to cuddle. (laughs) And I was like, this is great. And she said, um, she said, Daddy, I have a question. And I'm like, ooh, where's this going to go? Um, why don't you shave your arms? <laughs> and uh, I often think she's an angel, but sometimes she's a very rude angel. Uh, she's like, there's just so much hair there, you should shave your arms. Uh, well, thanks for the advice. Um, and then she said, you know, I realized something this weekend. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. She's like, the color of your arm hair is the same color as your beard and your hair on your head. (laughs) And she's just smiling from ear to ear, and all I could think was, can you just be eight forever? Like, (laughs) can you just be this child that everything can happen around you, and you just are this sweet, unconcerned, in-the-moment kid? And... Uh, Because I don't want her to deal with the questions and the confusions and the loss and the hurts and the disappointment that we face. I don't want her to have to grow up and then be faced with the same questions that we're asking today and all these difficulties. I just want her just to take things at face value and enjoy them. But the fact is she can't stay eight forever. (laughs) She can't stay eight forever. I can't protect her. From life. I can't protect her from all these things that life is going to throw at her and confuse her and cause her to be hurt and wounded. I can't protect her. I can't protect her from her own sins. I can't do that. And we are like that. We can't stay here forever. LMCC couldn't stay eight forever. We had to grow up. We had to experience this. We had to face these things and experience these moments where some people are experiencing things and others aren't. And we're left going, what is this? Is this of God or not? And if so, why isn't it happening to me? Why is it only happening to them? Or why is it happening to them in this way and not me in that way? We can't stay eight forever. You know, the disciples dealt with this. In Matthew 17 it recounts the story of the Mount of Transfiguration as it's called where Jesus chose three out of the twelve he chose just 25% of them and he's like let's go up on the mountain and there on the mountain Moses and Elijah like the heavenly versions of them appear they're right there and they're experiencing this moment and I love Peter because he's unafraid to put his foot in his mouth he's like yo Jesus this is good let's just stay here See, I mean, I'm a fisherman, but like James, he can build some tents, and so like he could build one for Moses and Elijah and and you, and we'll just chill. This is great. And then God from heaven is like, shut up. (laughs) You can't stay on the mountain. No one can live on the mountaintop. Nothing grows. No crops grow on the mountaintop. And the fact is, we can't stay here, but you can stay healed. And you can stay on the path that God has begun in you. In Philippians, it says, The work that God began in you, he will see it to completion. What Paul has just finished saying before Galatians 5 is, The work that was started by the Spirit, let it continue by the Spirit. Later on, he'll say, Don't keep laying a foundation of the gospel and repentance of sins, but move on into the mature reality of what it is to walk by the Spirit. Grow up, he says. My daughter's gonna grow up and she's gonna be faced with complexity and confusion and she's not gonna know the left or the right way to go. But the promise of God was that he would give you the spirit. In the Old Testament, he said through the prophets, I'm gonna give you the spirit and it's going to tell you go to the left or go to the right. Jesus said, I'm gonna give you the spirit and it's gonna teach you all truth and let you walk into the fullness that God has for you. That was the promise. And here in Galatians 5, the last part of it, he says, Keep in step with the Spirit. He says, If you live by the Spirit, if you have been given life in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, by the indwelling Spirit, he says, Now keep in step. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. As we leave here, how do we keep in step? How do we keep in step with the spirit of God and God's work in our lives? And this message is for those of you that were of like the 25% that experienced the transfiguration. Those of you that were here this weekend and you felt God in a new way. And you're realizing like, I can't go back the same. Like I can't go back from what happened. Like, you just can't. I mean, you can. And, and just from experience, let me tell you, it just sucks. Like, it's really bad for multiple years until God's like, hey, remember? Remember what I did? It's still for you. So it's for those of you who experienced that and you're going back different. How do you stay and keep walking in that different life, that new life? What's the new normal? But it's also for those of you who didn't feel a thing who just kind of stood on the outskirts and watched and were like, I don't know if I even want that. I don't even know if I want to stick around for this. It's for you. Because there were nine of those disciples that didn't get the transfiguration. But you know what was still real for them? Jesus. You know what was still real for them? The kingdom of God and their lives and the work that they were due for his kingdom. And so they, together, began to just wait as God commanded and pray And seek him. And the result was an infilling and a pouring out of the spirit. And then it continues. The story continues to go on. More and more and more of this experience. Where individuals get highlighted. We don't get to hear all the stories. But there's some that seem to experience it over and over and over and over again. And there's others that don't. So what do we do with that? So with Galatians 5 and keeping step with the spirit... What I want to talk about is God's process for our lives. That he has designed a process. And if we get the process out of whack, if we don't keep in step with the process, that's where abuse of this type of reality of a church comes in. If we get the process out of whack, that's what happens when you destroy your lives by sin. Is the process gets flipped. It gets delayed. It gets stunted. And so how do we keep in step with the spirit of God's work in our lives? And here's the process, the spirit does healing, the spirit produces fruit, and the spirit gives gifts. I'm not going to do the Jasmine thing where I bring people up, because um, that's her, it was good, and, and Anka denied reading the scripture, so she's wasn't the perfect spirit, so I'm just not going to do that again. But, healing, fruit, and gifts. So let me unpack what I mean by Healing. Because when I say healing, there's a few things that I'm talking about. I am talking about salvation. I'm talking about the healing you experience in some counseling environments or healing from past hurts and wounds. I'm talking about physical healing. I'm talking about all of those different things. And what God wants to do in healing is primarily eternal. His aim for full and final healing is eternity. The physical body might be healed in the moment. It's temporary. Your body's going to decay. You're going to (laughs) die. Woo! It's just reality. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get sick. You're going to experience diseases that corrupt your body and corrupt your mind and corrupt your heart. That's going to happen. But in eternity, God says, that will never happen. No more pain, no more death. It is swallowed up in victory, no more sting. But now there's some sting. And so when God brings temporary healing into your life, on the physical side of you, it is for him to make sure that you know he loves you. And make sure that he knows in this temporary blessing of provision that he is present and he feels the same hurt that you feel for your kids when they get injured. It's temporary. It's temporary inner healing of the wounds of the past of the generations that have been passed on of alcoholism and you want to start a new path the generation of shame and guilt and anger that you want to end and kill so that you don't pass it on to your kids and ruin their lives that type of generational healing is something that God wants to do so that you feel the kingdom growing in your life, growing in your family, growing in this world because that's what stunts the kingdom more than anything else is these inner healing issues that we refuse to face. We don't face the shadow. We don't face the past. And then we go, why, isn't, why am I not experiencing God? Well, there's unforgiveness, There's hurt, there's wounds, there's words spoken over you that you've accepted as your identity that are not who you are. And so God wants to do that healing, but ultimately it's with this angle of you experiencing and tasting heaven, which is the eternal salvation. And none of the other healing happens until you say, I surrender my life, all that I am to you, Jesus, you are king, I'm done, I will lay it down for you. And there are still people here today that just need to make that call. You just need to make the call. You just need to say, I'm in, and I don't know what it means. (laughs) I mean, I didn't grow up in a family of faith, and so when God said, I want all of your life, I was like, okay. (laughs) And then I went home, and I was like, hey, mom and dad, take me to church. I have no idea what I just accepted and committed to. But here's what I want you to hear most about God's healing is that his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Um, he knew I wasn't ready at 25 to face the pains of my childhood. <laughs> so he protected me from it. <laughs> he even gave me this all the good memories where that I could just treasure that and I could just appreciate having two parents that just loved me. But he knew... <laughs> That there was going to come a time when I needed to face the pain that happened in my childhood. And so in his perfect and good timing, he brought me to the right person, to the right community, to the right moment. That I would be open and receptive and to receive it. And then he knew... That over the course of the next few years, he would take me on this path of healing and counseling and friendship and marriage. That God would begin this work of restoration. And guess what? He's not done. Because if it's only an eternity that I will be fully and finally healed of all of these issues then there's a lot more that I don't even know. And he's just being so gracious to blind me to these things that could prevent me from really enjoying him and living life and serving others. But I know and I can trust that there's a moment where he's gonna say, it's time. And so the question for you is, are you just walking with him, keeping in step for the moment when he says, it's time? It's time to deal with that. It's time for you to go pray for that healing. And that that's a really key one because I think there are so many people because of their fear of disappointment that you're going to like go ask for healing and it not happen, that you just don't do it. And like, like it's kind of dumb. <laughs> you know, like if, if you're sick, you're going to go to a doctor. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go to God? You know, you can't get healed unless you face the sickness. You can't get healed unless you go get the medicine. You can't change your lifestyle unless you... Hire a health coach like my wife. (laughs) What's the (laughs) website? I'm tired. I'm sorry. Um, His timing is really, really good, and his placement of you is even better. (laughs) Think about that. You're here in this church. There's hundreds of churches in New York City, hundreds. You just happen to find yourself at LMCC five years ago and then you're here and you just, oh, it's just because you stuck around. (laughs) Really? No. No, it's because God said, I love my son and my daughter and so I'm gonna hold their hand and I'm gonna walk with them and I'm gonna lead them because there's a moment where they're going to need me. And they're gonna need the moment and they're gonna need these people and they're gonna need people who believe that I have the power to heal and transform and to speak supernaturally into their lives and that's why God's brought you here. So whatever hurt and whatever pain you're still carrying, whatever evil thing that has happened to you that you haven't told anybody, that you haven't told anybody what you've done, well, it's coming. A time will come when you will have to expose and reveal that and guess what's gonna happen if you do it here? God will heal you. That's why you're here. But first, you have to surrender. Surrender your life and salvation. And then begin the process of what Jazz talked about last night that mind reset. Dying to being the center of the world so that you can enjoy the delight of your Father. And don't stop till heaven on that pursuit of healing. But healing. Gives way to something else. God just wasn't, doesn't want to make you better, right? Like if you got knee surgery, it's so that you go get physical therapy so you go back to play the sports you love. Like so, God's going to heal you for the whole purpose of you participating in His kingdom work. So now there's a next step, but before we get to that, let's start with the fruit, right? They start with the fruit because the contrast in Galatians five is sin. And fruit, it's character, it's a holiness that you are to take on by the Holy Spirit. And so your healing is so that you would begin to become like God. God heals you and then he says, be like me. Be holy as I am holy, he says. Be perfect as I am perfect. And so now, the physical, the inner healing, the salvation, now he's saying, now I'm gonna conform your impatience into patience. I'm going to conform your lack of self-control and pursuing sexual morality into self-control so that you can control the flesh and you can control the desire so it doesn't destroy and ruin your life. Because it says in that passage, the evidence of the flesh is clear. But we don't connect the effects of the flesh with the evidence. We don't connect the fact that depression can be leaked to our sinful behavior and our lack of moral character. We don't connect the dots. We don't connect the dots to the fact that our relationships are not great and it's the result of our bitterness and anger and dissension and strife. We don't connect the dots of the effects of the flesh with the clear evidence. So then we're like, why is my marriage a mess? Well, probably because you were angry all the time. Why do my kids not fully trust me? Maybe because you didn't speak life into them. Now, there's no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And so I say that for the entire purpose that if you're keeping in step with the Spirit, what God's going to do in his patient timing, again, is conform and reshape that. Jasmine talked about the waterfall falling over jagged rocks to make smooth stones. Like that's being drowned so much in the word of God, drowned so much in the spirit of God, that the only result is that you become more and more like him. And so that's why we talked about repentance the two Sundays before we came here. It's because when you face the music of your sinful and lack of moral character, well, then you just confess it. Receive his forgiveness. And then he says, now walk by the power of the Spirit into a new fruitful life. It's character. Be reshaped into the image of God you have been made to be. Because he says, that's where joy is. That's where peace is. And he says, there's no law. There's no burden if you just try to walk and keep in step with the Spirit and become more and more like him. But it takes work to do that. So healing and then fruit, and then gifts. Now, when I talk about gifts, I mean the power we've been talking about, but also blessings and success and leadership. We are trained to skip to that. They are the shiny objects that we want to focus on. And in this room, it is our favored route. We would choose more success more pleasure, more influence, more leadership, more blessing, more provisions. We would choose that over going through the process of healing and the process of being conformed to the image of God. We would choose that, right? Please say yes, because I feel that way. <laughs> we, would, we love the power. We want the power. And so we often skip ahead to that. And as spiritual gifts and power we have to recognize as Alluring. They are alluring to us. But gifts alone should alarm us. If all you're experiencing is power and all you're experiencing are these gifts and you're not experiencing healing and you're not experiencing looking like Jesus, it is the worst case scenario. It is the worst case scenario. That's what destroys churches. That's what destroys marriages. That's what destroys people's lives is all success and no character. All success and no healing. That's why God is not just on a mountain. That's why God didn't just stick out in heaven. That's why He incarnated and took on flesh, came out of heaven to be like us in every way. That's why He became a child with parents He had to learn to obey. That's why He became a child with aging parents who lost a father. That's why he became someone who took over the family business and then sold it to become a rabbi. That's why. And he incarnated in every way so that he could incarnate in you in every area of your life. That's the Spirit. The Spirit is Jesus, God, being incarnated inside of you and manifest through you in every area. Yes, even as a mom (laughs) in the mundane. Jesus wasn't a mom, but he had 12 really annoying disciples. They were like, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, when am I going to be like, you know, like in the, in the front seat? And he's like, what? Jesus, 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 can you like feed us? Like there's no bread and there's no wine. Should we go get some stuff? Like are you going to do the miracle thing again? Right? It sounds like your kids. Mom, 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 mom. In every way he was like us so that in every way we could be like him. And the way that he does that is by the power of the Holy Spirit coming inside of us. And the only way that we keep in step with the Spirit is by following the process. So let me help you recognize ways that you are currently abusing the process so that you can then go from abuse of the process to trusting the process. <laughs> freaking Sixers fans, dang it. Uh, the 76 Sixers are a basketball team and trust the process is their motto and it's, they suck, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first way people abuse the process is that they flip the process, what I was talking about. They go, power, and then when power doesn't work out or power leads to crumbling of their lives, then they're like, oh, I should actually face the music of the healing that I need, right? Oh, my marriage fell apart. I should now go to counseling. You know, oh, the, the career that I wanted, I got fired or let go. Now I gotta face the music. Some of you relate to that. It's because you flipped the process. It's because you put power in front of character and fruit in front of healing. And so the invitation now is to put healing in front of fruit, in front of power. See, in Galatians earlier, he talks about being a son of the slave woman or the son of the promise. And the story goes that Abraham was promised to have a son through Abraham and Sarah. But they were like, let's flip the process. We know how this works. (laughs) We know how to get a baby. So let's go get Hagar. And then Hagar has the baby, and all they do is fight. Now, Hagar and Ishmael, they're very blessed. They receive some of the benefits of the promise. They grow into a mighty nation that still exists today. They receive some of the power and some of the benefit. But they don't get God. They don't get the promise of Jesus. They don't get the full blessing, the full anointing, the full experience of God. It's only the son of the promise from Sarah. And so that's why salvation is so important is that you start there. You come out of your own effort, out of your own ways, believing you know better and go back into being a child of God and surrender. Some of you have flipped the process. You can flip it back. Another way that people abuse it and the lies come in is they codify the process. What I mean by that is they'll say there is only healing in one way, and this is how. There's only healing in that avenue, and this is how. It's only counseling, and there's no other supernatural way. It's only by supernatural gifts, and there's no other way. There's one way we got to do it, or they do gifts in the same way. Only the gift of teaching is what matters. Only the gift of prophecy. Only the gift of evangelism. And they make it one way, and they codify it. Or they focus on holiness in one area and they say until you repent of this you don't know Jesus <laughs> oh they're fun to be around <laughs> <laughs> they codify the process but one of the, the most harmful ways that we abuse it is we don't cultivate the process what we believe it to happen is that in the church especially this is true we believe once you're born again you're good And you don't need to go through a process of healing all the time. But that's just not true. After I preach, I am mentally like a shell of myself and I need to go back and get healed and restored by God if I'm gonna be of any value. That's why at the end of your workday, you come home and you're like a zombie and your kids are demanding things of you and you're like, I need to go in my room and have a drink first and then we'll come and hang out. It's because you don't realize that you've been giving and giving and giving and the power has been flowing out of you and you need to go back to God and say, restore and heal and strengthen me so that the joy of the Lord is my strength and I depend upon you and not just the energy for the day to actually be a blessing at home and at work in all these ways. That's why keeping in step with the Spirit is essential. So if you found life and born again by the Spirit, then keep in step and find life, Zoe, The God life that we talked about last night, find it regularly by depending on the Spirit. Another way is that you stunt the process. You obsess over one of them. You're like, I'm good on healing, we're just gonna stay there. It's like, well, mm, unfortunately, You're just gonna be navel-gazing for a whole long time, and you're gonna become no use to everybody else. So after you're healed, the point is that you would go and heal. Sorry if that's not what you're interested in. God healed you so that you would go and heal. God taught you so you would go and teach. God loved you so you would go and love. It's the process. Don't stunt the process. Another way is that you delay the process. You hear the voice, and you're like, Tomorrow, <laughs> you hear the voice and you're like, ooh, where's the rug I can hide that under, right? You hear God press. You, the memories come to mind, right? They come to mind either in dreams or in other moments. You're triggered and the emotions come back in a really strong way. And You're like, ooh, I, don't, I didn't wanna deal with that then and I don't wanna deal with it now. And you delay God saying, but I do. I wanna set you free. I wanna heal, I know you don't want to, but I do. So don't delay the process. And unfortunately, I have to use the 76ers to say trust the process. And what they mean by that, and honestly, I tried to avoid it at all costs because I hate them. Um, But in 2012 and 2013, they got a new general manager and he completely cleaned house. He traded all their good players he didn't sign any of them back. He's got a new coach. He started all over from scratch. And then they sucked for a while. It was really hard and it was really difficult. <laughs> they sucked for a long time. Um, but it was really hard and really difficult. And then they started getting these draft picks and these players. And now when you watch them, they're, it's really a beautiful team. But that's seven years. The guy that started it got fired. <laughs> He didn't even get to see it to fruition. But he knew the process was worth it. He knew 76ers would be better for it. So I'm not telling you that this process is the pill that you swallow and then it's, oh, it's all hunky dory. It's all great now. It sucks when you have to face the wounds. It sucks when you have to face your sin because you have to face the consequences and you can't erase that. God can erase the sting. He can erase the wounds and and he can heal that. He can't erase the consequences because he knows that experiencing the consequences will help shape your character so that you never do it again. That's godly sorrow without regret where you begin to go, you know, I wouldn't have known God. I would have known healing. I would have known freedom if I hadn't done it, but I never want to do it again. I don't know where you're at in the process. I don't know how you've abused the process. I don't know what lies you're telling you, yourself about the process. But here's what I do know. You were here. You saw some things. You experienced some things. And now you gotta go home. Now you gotta go back to the same job. Now you gotta go back to the same apartment. You gotta go back to some of the same problems in your home that you left behind on Friday. You gotta go back to the same issues. But what I do know is you're not going back alone and you're not going back without the tools that you need for the issues you're facing. Jesus says, though I leave you, my promise is that I will leave the spirit and he will never leave you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. He was, he's there in every moment. He's there in every need. He's there exactly when you need it. And so if you tasted of the spirit, It doesn't just live at the Weston in Princeton, New Jersey. It's in you. And you take it with you. And now you have new tools. It may be new gifts. It may be a new experience of God. Don't write it off of history. Treasure it. Write it out. Read it every day if you need to. But bring it back to mind what God did here. If that's what happened to you, if you got nothing this weekend, if you got nothing, well, the process is still true. God doesn't just work the process when we gather on Sundays, He doesn't just work the process when we gather for retreats. Sometimes He has to work the process through your everyday, ordinary life because that's what you need. That's His timing in your life. That's the work he wants to do in you because that's what you're going to do in someone else's life one day. You're going to lead them through their own process, and it's going to be longer than you ever wanted it to be because you, everybody wants the accelerated healing. That's why there's so many stupid medications out there that are like, take it for arthritis, but don't worry about the liver failure that's coming with it. Right? but some of you have to go through lifestyle reorientation, lifestyle change of little by little, synapsis by synapsis, being reoriented to the point that you can finally see God and trust him in every single way. It's longer, but it's still good. Will you trust the God of the process and the process he's laid out for you? Let's pray. Father, that's what we call you, father, a parent, and a good one, not, not fallen like ours, not fallen like we are, but a good one, and a good father knows their children better than they know themselves, and that's what you are. And so, as a father, I ask, through the power of your spirit, to speak to each of your children, I ask that you cry out within them to you as a dad. Restore that connection. And I ask that as a father, you begin to place your hand upon areas of their life where you are now saying, it's time. And give them the courage to take the next step. That's all you're asking, the next step. You're not asking them to take the heavenly step. (laughs) We're not ready for it. So be a good father to us today. We pray in Christ's name, amen.